everyone, and welcome to our Warped Podcast, the show where we get together and discuss our latest pop culture obsessions. I'm Walker, and I'm here with Chris, Kat, and Grace. Starting us off the day is Grace, but before we get into that, has anyone checked out anything from our previous episode? I watched the first episode of White Lotus. It uh, made me very uncomfortable, just because it was really... I mean, it was intended to make you uncomfortable, like it was awkward and... I don't want to say cringy, but it had moments of that too. When the uh, the newlywed couple with Alexandra Daddario, when she was talking to the two friends by the pool, and there was just some obvious hostility towards her, I was like, I want out, I want to leave. Um, but the moment after that, where like she gets into the pool and the girls are like, "Oh my god," was pretty great. Uh, speaking of the two friends, they suck. Uh, the husband was annoying too, but the manager of the hotel is Chef's Kiss, and I love him. Um, you want to give him a Chef's Kiss? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yes, I think that is exactly what uh, is being said. Okay. Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind if he'd let me, but if he didn't let me, I would just do it at him and you know, see how that <laughs> That's goes. Not uh, cool, Chris. That's pretty aggressive, Chris. What do you, just, you're just what gonna, do you mean? You're just gonna do it just at go, him and then Chef's kiss. Like I, you are moi. You don't need consent. You're just gonna do it at him. I'm not kissing oh him God. physically oh. if he didn't want it. Oh my God. Anyways, <laughs> and I watched the opening of uh, Puff and Stuff. That made me uncomfortable as well. And it felt cursed, which is really kind of, yeah, it felt a little cursed to me. I second that opinion. I, I also watched, I think, the very beginning of the first episode. And what weirded me out the most is that I'm not even sure what to call it. It, it was supposed to be, I think, some kind of like fire engine, but there was an open flame going on. And I didn't <laughs> like it. it. It made me very nervous. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I love the song. The the intro song is fantastic. Really all you need. I actually was surprised by how um not cursed it felt. Yes. Yes. I was expecting something really disturbing. I was expecting kind of those lost footage things from uh, Creepypasta. Like, does anyone remember this kid show that suddenly got really, really dark? And I thought mm. it was going to be like one of those. And yeah. I was like, oh, no, this is like, I get it. I watched the pronoun song also. Mm-hmm. Nice. And that song was better than the opening. Mm-hmm. And it was really catchy. And it, it did get stuck in my head and still is kind of stuck in my head when I bring it up. Wow. Mm-hmm. And the characters were cuter than I expected, and HR Puff and Stuff's voice was not what I expected. Is this southern sort of way of speaking? I guess that explains the boots. But that juxtaposed with this very British sounding kid. Yes. Which I was not expecting. I was just glad he didn't sound like Barney. I liked Barney as a kid, but Barney's voice and laughter is really creepy now. Oh, yeah. The like yuck yuck thing he basically does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm happy all of you enjoyed it and do not correct my opinion of that. Nailed it. I'm just going to live my life assuming everyone enjoyed it and they are not cursed. I may have to give it another chance. Like maybe the pronoun song would be um, more of my style, but just the opening. It's just a lot thrown at you and you're, you're taking it all in. Well, yeah, they have to explain the entire plot to you. So there is a lot being thrown your way. Right. Even like halfway in the season, you have to know what the plot is. So you have to rewatch the opening. Because you're either too stoned, too young. Yeah. Like there's a lot of factors that could inhibit you from, you know, knowing what came before. 
Right, right, right. Yeah, and those 16 episodes you could forget. If I can go back to White Lotus really quickly. um, Yeah, the cringe is super rough at the beginning and doesn't really get any easier, but it's part of the charm. And I actually didn't like the hotel manager the first time I watched it. Like the first episode, the first time I watched it, because he was so bossy with Lonnie, but I was like, oh, I don't like him. He just reminds me of like a bad manager that you would have at a service industry job, like yeah. overly positive, not even a real person and just has these weird expectations for you and is always nagging you about stuff. Oh, for sure. But then I think by the end of that episode, this is minor spoiler. He was like, she was pregnant the whole time and I didn't even know what's wrong with me. And then I was like, okay, I, I like this guy. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm also just a sucker for his accent. Yeah, he's Australian. Uh, That's why you want to chef kiss him. <laughs> no, you guys threw that in there. I was just saying I want to... He is chef's kiss. He's it like personified. You guys made it into me wanting to kiss this man. We'll see when it's uh, in the edit. See how rearranged things get. Yeah, yeah. I'm Chris. I want to kiss this man, kiss this man, kiss this man. <laughs> <laughs> or it's completely out of context of each sentence. I am Chris and I want to kiss this man. <laughs> I would just like to say, Chris, I think you should continue with White Lotus because there were many times that things would happen and I'd be like audibly, no. So keep, yeah. Oh, really? Well, like, I didn't think it was bad. So. Don't get that impression that I thought it was bad. It was just made me uncomfortable watching it. So um, I do want to give it the chance I think it deserves because it did seem like it had a lot of character and it seemed fun. So it's an interesting show and it's hard to talk about without spoiling major parts of it. Right. Which is why I had a hard time last time like talking it up. Right. You didn't want to give anything away, but you wanted to talk about it. I, th- I have a feeling that Chris's pick did not get a whole lot of uh, attention. And I'm sorry, Chris. I personally did not watch your movie, Chris. So I'm, I'm sorry. Cut me deep. I personally did not read your book, Walker. But that's fine. <laughs> it's too long. I just finished it. So, or, yeah, I mean, not that long ago. So I wouldn't I wouldn't expect you to have read it within a week's time. But while, while we, we were talking during the episode, I remembered a review that I'd watched of that film. So, and I, I remembered that I, I enjoyed the clips they showed, but oh, nice. Um, I def just did for fail to mention that during uh, the last episode. So I wanted to at least get that out there now. Oh, so you had already seen those clips. Yeah. I think the majority of what you, you discussed, um, I just couldn't, the, the plot was very fuzzy. I just remember a lot of the creature design and stuff was very unique and interesting. So, yeah, it's very like goofy, but also weirdly making sense in like the context of the uh, the movie. So yeah, it's fun. With that, if you're ready, Grace, I uh, would love to hear what you are talking about this episode. So I picked something that I think Walker will have at least a little bit more interest in because he's already seen it. I chose the movie VHS. Oh, I have seen that. Yes, Chris has seen it too. We saw it together. Uh Kat has seen it? I have seen it, yes. All right, sweet. I'm excited. It's more fun talking about this movie when people have seen it. Talking about the first one specifically, right? The first one specifically. So the only one that we don't have of note is the one in, I believe, Thailand, the cult. That's not in this one. I was going to ask because I could not remember. Yeah. That's a shame. I wanted to talk about it. I know, but there's a lot of good ones on this one too. There are. Mm -hmm. Um, So for my topic, I chose to talk about the 
2012 found footage anthology series VHS. VHS is told in five short stories with a sixth one used as a framing device. Every story is filmed in a found footage style, and most of the stories have a creepy twist ending. Um, I chose this topic because found footage and anthology are both kind of dirty words in the horror movie genre, but I think that this movie, for the most part, pulls it off about as best as you can do. So I thought it was a worthwhile pick. But also, as I was writing my summary for all of them, this is a very, very cautious recommendation. It's for a certain type of person and a certain type of person only. And I'll get into reasons why later. But when I started this, I was like, oh my God, I can't wait to tell all these people about this. And now I'm like, oh my God, I have to tell all these people about this. And <laughs> it's got some problems. Yeah, you could um, say it's problematic. Some difficult subject matter. Mm -hmm. To put it mildly. Yes. Um, so also, this is a bit of a um, trigger warning. So if you don't want to hear me talking about um, sexual assault, I'll put a timestamp code in the show notes. I realized that they definitely front load all of that in the first 30 minutes of the movie. So uh, when I when you go to that timestamp, I'll still be talking, but the worst is over. <laughs> but yeah, I watched it in high school and it was one of my first horror movies. So I have a fondness for it because... I was with my friends and it was a good time and it launched my obsession with horror movies between the, uh, the triggering things and me realizing that it's definitely me looking back fondly on something that's probably not that great. This recommendation is a very, uh, I don't know, to quote Kat, like it or don't. But if you don't, that's not your fault. And I understand. But also, come on. No, Walker. <laughs> So I have a little synopsis of each story. So this is where trigger warning people skip forward. See you in a bit. Let's start. So the framing device um, part of this is called Tape 56. It's a bunch of basically criminals filming each other doing various crimes, including sexually assaulting a woman in a parking garage. Mm -hmm. and they eventually get tasked by some unknown person to break into a man's house and steal a VHS tape. They don't know why, but they're getting money for it, so they're going to do it, and they're filming each other in sort of like a, I guess, YouTube-style stunt. Don't remember that. Any of that beginning? But I probably, I probably haven't watched it since 2012, so... It's one of those scenes that I always forget about. I wanted to show someone this movie. I was like, oh my god, this horror movie, not a lot of people have seen it unless you really like horror movies or like had Netflix at the specific time when it was on there. I wanted to show my friend and then immediately it's the scene of the parking garage. I'm like, oh shit. Yeah. Like, yeah. luckily this person didn't have any, you know bad history but at the same time i'm like that that really was upsetting to watch and really brutal which you could have warned her or him yeah i i wish i could have told her what was coming or i just wish i picked something else right. because i was like you already know that these guys are bad people you don't need to see that and because it's found footage it does look really real and it does yeah um i think that's the why it's so alarming. It also, being in the very beginning of a film, you're not expecting it, but the way that it's shot and everything do play a pretty large part in how it comes across. Yeah, it was like, it definitely felt like you were witnessing an actual crime. 
I used to be really into just shock of any kind means it's good. And I don't think that way anymore. Does that mean you were into jump scares and stuff too? No, it was just kind of, I guess it was like an edgy kind of thing where I thought like, if it pisses off people, they're wrong. The person who's doing this is right. So obviously the scene was upsetting to me, but I thought it was smarter than it was. It's just cheap and upsetting and gross, like a lot of other stuff that I probably would have defended. I can get that. And I understand your like um, interest in it due to the fact that it's so in your face. Because I wore a t-shirt that I made myself that said the F word subtlety. And I wore it everywhere. That's the same sort of in your face for no reason other than just to be a bastard. That was definitely my style. Very in your face. I want to be like big and scary. So I'm going to, you know, defend a movie that has an assault in it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think you can still enjoy something if it doesn't have like the best content. I think the movie, if I remember right, it's not like glorifying that moment, not saying it's okay to like have that in it. It's like all these guys are a bunch of criminals and they're gross and they're probably going to get what's coming to them, but it's still upsetting. Right. And the second time that um, sexual assault is a theme, they're very obviously the bad guys in both. Right. All right. So we'll move past that because it's really not necessary at all. We can figure out that they're bad people without that happening in so many other ways, but you know, no need to dwell on it. We'll talk about the fun stuff. So they break into this man's house to get this VHS tape. The man is passed out in a chair and they think he might be dead. So they pop in the VHS tape to see what the whole thing is about. And all of those tapes are what our next stories are. So the first tape was called Amateur Night. It's probably the most famous of all of them. Most memorable for sure. And it spawned a spin-off movie, which I don't know if it came out yet, but it's called The Siren. It follows a group of friends and one of the guys really wants to get lucky and he's kind of a nerdy guy, but everyone's plan is to get him to find someone to take home. And they give him these glasses that are very 2012, like the thick kind of hipster glasses, but it's got a camera in it. So that's part of the way that they're able to do a lot of the found footage-esque things. So you're seeing it as if your glass is on this person's face. So they go out to a bar, they meet some girls, they're talking, it's awkward conversation. They seem to be maybe friends. One has curly hair, she seems a little awkward, she's quiet. She at one point kind of looks the guy wearing glasses dead in the face and says, I like you. And she has like big wide eyes and it's kind of creepy. But because he's trying to get laid, he is like, all right, cool. Like, I'm already one step closer with this person. I think he's kind of drunk at this point. Yeah. Yeah, he's definitely drunk. And he's getting, I guess, kind of desperate. So he's like, perfect. I don't need to like her. She doesn't have to be very interesting to me. I just want this to happen. And her friend is making out with one of his friends and she wants to go home with him. So it was kind of a, let's all go home together. So they get in the car. The main guy with the glasses is kind of trying to, you know, snuggle up with this girl. She keeps saying, I like you, but she's still like very weird. They snort something and it seems like they were kind of pressuring her into it. And when she finally does... They all cheer. I don't know. It feels kind of gross. So they get back to the hotel room. The guy and the girl who seem more into each other 
are making out, but that girl ends up passing out. She's so drunk. And the one guy kind of still tries to see if he can do something and everyone tells him not to. So she just kind of is laying there, passed out while the rest of the events happen. And to make it a long story short, the other girl, the more awkward one who's not talking too much is not who anyone expected her to be. And these uh, rapists get what they had coming for them. It takes a, a right turn, even though it was getting bad. It gets like bad, but in a different kind of bad, but good for her, but bad for them, but screw them because they sucked. And yeah, a lot of those kind of. Yeah, it was like real life horror story to fictional horror story. I'm going to go on a limb and say the word wacky. I second that. Um, Because this is the Halloween episode, I would like to just kind of incorporate something. Has anyone seen I Spit on Your Grave? The original, not the remake. No. No, but I know the premise. Okay. So I feel like it's sort of like that. Really gross. Sad story turns revenge story. So in between all of these weird stuff is happening in the house with all the VHS tapes. So at one point you realize that the dead man who was sitting in the lazy boy next to the TV is just gone and they don't make any real mention of it. You just have to kind of notice that he's gone, which I thought was super creepy. I think it's a fun, like one of those horror movie things. If you're like watching with a friend, you'd be like, Dude, he's gone. You know, like, you know, everyone's like, oh my God, did you see that? You know, it's like one of those kind of moments and it's, it's cool to watch with other people. Yeah. I'm very glad I watched it with other people because it's a good, I mean, you have to have the right group because, you know, upsetting content, but it is really fun to be around people watching it because there are one moments that are unintentionally funny. So you can laugh at them. And then the other thing is like, there's little Easter eggs or that Easter eggs isn't the right word, but little subtleties where you're like, wow, that is way smarter than this movie deserves. The next tape is called Second Honeymoon. And I believe it's the only storyline that isn't supernatural in any way. But I think it's almost like the twist of it is that it wasn't supernatural because weird things are happening. And it actually has a human explanation for why it's happening. But it follows this couple that are on their honeymoon and they are really like dorky and awkward and you kind of end up hating them. And they're in the like Southwest United States on a road trip. I didn't know where the story was taking us at all. So it was a fun ride. But if you're watching it for the second time or more, you're like, oh my God, I just want to fast forward this one. So the third one is called Tuesday the 17th. Based on the name, it's kind of a ripoff of Friday the 13th. It's a slasher-ish sort of storyline, I guess. So this girl, I keep saying girl, she's like probably in her 20s. This woman invites her friends to a lake house in the woods that she used to go to as a kid. And the actress for her, I love her so much because she's really deadpan. And she kind of reminds me of April from Parks and Rec or just Aubrey Plaza as a whole. There's one scene where she just looks right at the person who's holding the camera. She's like, you're going to die up here. And they're like, what? And it's just perfect. And there's some cool special effects in this one. But getting into it will spoil a lot. But I just like that actress and I'm going to try to find as many screen grabs of her saying weird stuff to these people. And they're like, what are you talking about? Like, I thought we were going to have fun. Why are you like this? This story has has more of the more more practical effects as far as the deaths go, because there's more people to kill. So there's more body parts to show being flayed or torn apart. And 
There's also some cool things happening with the actual killer itself. The fourth one is called The Sick Thing That Happened to Emily When She Was Younger. So this story, I can remember very vividly because this is when everyone started to get a little burnt out with all of the stories. We're like, oh my God, there's another one. But this is one of my favorite ones. So I was quickly able to like get sucked back in. It is mostly filmed over Skype. So it's this woman, Emily, talking to her long-distance boyfriend, and she's in her apartment alone, and she thinks that her apartment is haunted or that she's having some sort of psychotic break because she had a psychotic break when she was younger as well and has some mental health problems. So this is another one where if I go too deep into it, I'll probably end up spoiling something. But this is this is a good one, and I liked how it was filmed with Skype. It seemed like a more unique way of doing found footage than like shoehorning why someone would be recording everything. Because she was like, I really think there's something weird going on in the living room. Can I just like take my laptop and walk with you while you're on camera so you can verify that I'm not seeing or hearing things, that this is real. So it's got some really spooky stuff going on. The final story is called... 103198, so Halloween of 98. It follows a group of four guys on their way to a Halloween party. And I've, this is a smaller detail, but I found their costumes really funny. And it's like the full spectrum of single male costumes. Like it's not a couple's costume, it's just what a grown man would wear to a costume party. So one guy is dressed as a teddy bear, but he's calling himself a nanny cam. So I think he has some sort of. TV on his stomach, like a Teletubby or like a camera. I don't remember exactly, but I just remember it was funny and everyone was making fun of him for being a teddy bear. One guy was a pirate, just like classic, bought it in a bag, pirate. Someone was a Marine. And the final guy was the Unabomber. Oh, jeez. Which just really cracked me up. Mm-hmm. Anytime my mom wears a hood and sunglasses, which she does in the car quite frequently, because she doesn't want to, I'll probably have to get rid of this. Oh no. <laughs> Shout out to mom. She, she listens, doesn't she? She doesn't want the sun to bleach her hair, but my dad calls her the Unabomber. <laughs> and he's, he's called her that for as long as I can remember. Like, I didn't know what the Unabomber was. I just knew it was what my dad called my mom when she wore a hood and sunglasses. <laughs> oh, so that must have been a weird awakening when you uh, found out who he was. You're like, Dad, why? Why would you do this? Definitely. <laughs> I thought this was a fun guy. <laughs> so, all these well-dressed guys are trying to find the party and they stumble into the wrong house. You could say that again. Is this ringing any bells for you guys? Nope. Mm-mm. Really? No. I'm shocked. I watched, I watched this years ago. I remember being upstairs in the bedroom watching it. I know that. I know where I was. Did you watch it with people? A singular person, I would assume. If this is really, and I don't, I don't think we've actually hammered that point, but it truly is a film. And I think all the films in the series are worth watching in a good size group because you do have enough downtime and things that happen to where it's like it builds the tension even better because you have that sort of synchronicity going on with everyone so sure but i don't know what makes you think i have friends (laughs) (laughs) we're all friends here all right oh and then they all died and you don't know if that's a spoiler or not oh wow very good thank you grace So if you know me, then you know it's no surprise that I enjoy spooky things and uh, have my whole life. I don't really know where it began. I would like to blame my parents 
So the first movie I ever saw in the theater was Poltergeist. And I don't know if we've talked about that already. And I think that's where it all starts for me. I was an infant in diapers, no memory. My mother said I slept through the entire thing. That should have been a sign. Are we talking about Poltergeist? Yeah, what? We're not. We're not talking about Poltergeist. What? We can if you'd like. What did you say? I mean, I did say the first movie I saw. Okay, I'm not crazy. I thought I was crazy. I'm sorry. I I was like, what? No, no, yeah. It It was a slow kind of... Reel everybody in. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, it's just, a, it's just. Anyway, into high school, I had the opportunity to watch more horror of my own liking, and I had the biggest crush on Pinhead. I can't really explain it. I think that if you know, you know. I didn't especially love the movies. It was just him. It was his look and his delivery and what he had to say to me in the privacy of my own mind. <laughs> oh my that made it for me. I'm trying so hard not to scream at the top of my lungs. Is, I'm so excited. <laughs> We're not talking about Hellraiser. Oh, uh, you. God damn it. <laughs> I am on pins and needles. No pin pun head. intended. Unfully <laughs> intended. I'm not really into slasher films, but there is at least one sort of slasher film that I really love. It's Sleepaway Camp. All right. I'm holding my breath. Are we talking about Sleepaway Camp or? We are not talking about Sleepaway Camp. Uh, Jesus Christ. Man. I'm mad. I'm like, I'm actively mad. <laughs> we can talk about Sleepaway Camp. What I was going to talk about was the Garfield Halloween special. F*** off. You are not. Yes, I am. Are you actually? Yes. That's amazing. Off topic, but kind of on topic, there's a great, like, noir style Garfield film type thing. I forget what the hell it's called. It is fantastic. Is it 2D? Yes. Then I'm okay with it. I love the voice of the 2D Garfield. So it's uh, Garfield's Halloween Adventure, which came out in 1985 and aired on CBS. Have we all seen it? I actually think I might have, but I have to hear the summary. Right, it's, sorry, I don't want to interrupt, but it's called Garfield's Babes and Bullets. It is... Oh, yes. That is based off of a uh, strip, well, though. Okay. But it is it's fantastic. It is. That's awesome. Yes, it is very good. I recommend that as well. But Garfield's Halloween Adventure, uh, it is a musical that may be good or bad, depending on how you feel about that. Basically, Garfield and Odie have to go trick-or-treating, and they require costumes, and the costumes require a montage. So you see them in various costumes, they pick one, they go trick-or-treating amongst the children, or so they think are children. They end up at this broken-down mansion with the scariest old man you've ever seen animated in your life, and he tells them the tale of a blood-oathed curse involving pirates. There are ghost pirates, and I'll leave it at that. I don't want to spoil it for anyone. Do they get away? Do they become ghost pirates? Who finds the treasure? Who is that old man? Why does he scare me, even to this day? Oh my god! Are you looking up this old man? No, I'm looking at Odie and he has four peg legs. No! (laughs) (laughs) Yes, he does. Oh, poor guy. I just, I looked up the old man. Oh, buddy. No, you don't like the old man? 
Okay, so Grace just looked up the picture of the man and her face looked like it was ready to vomit. Yeah, no, he's very vomit-inducing. Those are the tiniest eyes. So I'm a child watching this amazing Halloween special. So excited. Garfield's my favorite. And then that man appears on the screen and ruins my life. That's brutal. But it's okay. It's Halloween. It's what you're supposed to do. Well, to be fair, I think that it's probably better to have a more disturbing character do the storytelling. Oh, yeah. Had he not been so creepy, it wouldn't have been nearly as good or memorable for me. You're like, oh, well, this story's going to suck. You, you look normal. Right. Yeah, I just watched like a really quick clip of it. And even the way he's animated is very distorted and creepy and weird. I like it. He's like, it's just the clip of it. Like, shut up, you two. And his like, neck twitches to like a 90 degree angle. It's pretty intense. Yeah. Did you watch this on TV or was it part of a, I don't know, like a VHS? No, it was on TV. They'd start playing it, you know. It's just like the Great Pumpkin where they would show yearly. Hearing Garfield talk in this video, I really love that voice actor for Garfield. And not to, you know, crap on Bill Murray, because he does do a fairly good job of trying to emulate that same kind of tone. But I, I wish I knew who does the, the original voice acting, because it is why I think that character, even when you're just reading the comic strip, you have that voice in your head and it is it just makes it that much better. The voice actor, his name is Lorenzo Music, and he passed away in 2001. That's all I have for Garfield. It's very basic. I want to leave it open so that way people can watch it if they haven't watched it already. And, and what happened at the very end there, Kat? No. The end. Oh, just the end. Okay. And they all lived happily ever after. There we go. That's what I like to hear. Yes. No one was dead except for the pirates mm-hmm. already dead being ghosts. Right. Yeah. But ghosts can't die. So really, when you think of it, sure. right, everyone's still alive. I'd also like to say that I recommend Dead and Buried, which came out in 1981. And it's kind of sort of zombie-esque um, meets Body Snatchers. And it has a young Robert England in it. England has a young Freddy Krueger in it. Is he uh, a creepy, scarred man with claws in that? No. Okay. Nope. Cool. But it's one that I recommend that most people haven't really watched. If you like zombies and body snatchers. All right. So I chose this short story entitled The Taily Poe Ghost Story. So this from what I understand, uh, is technically a a bit of Appalachian lore that then got put into a story written by Joanna Galdone. And she also narrates the audiobook version. It's only 44 pages. It's very short. Uh, It's technically a kid's book. And her father illustrated the version of the book that came out in 1984. It originally was published in 1977, but without these, in my mind, illustrations that make the book what it is. So this this story to me and why I picked it essentially comes down to it being one of the first things that I remember scaring me as a kid because at uh, our local library, there was a copy that you could rent that came in a plastic bag because it also had a little CD or sorry, not a CD, excuse me. It had a little cassette with the audiobook on it. So... I loved those. Yeah, so when audiobooks used to come on cassette tapes, and you'd have like 80 cassette tapes for a Harry Potter book. Uh, but no, this was one short little cassette, only 44 pages in the book. 
So I think the audio version was maybe about 20 minutes at most. So this this woman, Joanna Galdone, wrote the book. Her father illustrated uh, a version. And I think he also was a fairly well-known author. Um, I believe he was an immigrant. I'm not sure from where. There's not a whole lot of information about this family online, but I, I didn't really dig super deep. I was just kind of bummed that there is not an actual Wikipedia page for the this story itself. There's one for the folklore, but not for this story, which is kind of a shame. Anyway, this being a short story, there's not a whole lot of characters, but we have the old man who in some versions of the story is known as Old Man Jake or Jake. He has three dogs. I know, you know, and Comtico Calico, or just Calico. Uh, these are all, I think, based on the illustration Bloodhounds. They're not actually described really in the story, but based on what, what the illustrations show, they look like Bloodhounds, and they look very weary and, and tired, much like the old man. So the story begins with everyone out on a hunt. They're trying to chase down a rabbit and catch it for supper. And that ends up happening. So they take their kill back and the, the old man cooks up the rabbit and has a nice nice dinner there. But sometime later in the night, he sees something coming through a crack in his cabin and decides to, for whatever reason, chop his tail off. Hence the name of the, uh, the story. So that introduces our final character. And I, I don't know that there's a name, but I'm going to call it the creature or reasons that are obvious if you've read the book, uh, mostly because it's sort of an amalgamation of different animals sort of put into one body. Uh, it's very fluffy, has a long tail, of course. The ears are almost like an antenna, and the, the eyes are, are kind of small, put together close, and they're yellow, yellow, kind of red. Um, it has very long claws. It's about the size of a raccoon, based on the, uh, the illustrations. And I think what helps with the the terror and the dread that kind of builds as the story goes on, and I know that seems like it, it, it shouldn't go on that long, but it feels like it does. And I think it's mostly due to the fact that if you listen to the audiobook, you get a lot more from what's being was what was written uh, than if you just read it. Now, granted, the the pictures do kind of add to the the overall atmosphere as well. So I think if you play the audiobook and, and can get a version where you can look at the illustrations. It, it kind of helps with things. But um, anyway, the book is essentially continues on with the old man being terrorized by this creature wanting its tail back. And from my understanding, though, it's not really said directly. The book ends with the dogs being led out into the woods. And then it's the book says that they're lost. And to me, that, that means that they, uh, they die. And it's all due to this creature somehow luring them away from the cabin. And uh, then uh, I, I believe the old man dies. So They all die in the end. Whoa, they all died? Yeah, it, they truly do all die in the end. And it is pretty terrifying. Uh, I'm not going to lie. It's so scary. Walker and I bonded over this early on when we started dating. I don't know how it got brought up, but he and I, again, were the only two people in the room who had heard of this. And it it's so hard to explain to others why it was scary because you have to read it as a child, I think. I don't know. I listened to it because I, I found the audio book. Uh, I listened to it again 
uh, a day or two ago, and I, I still got chills. I think it's just it, there's there's so much happening with you know the isolation, and there's obviously not a whole lot that that goes on, but it's just this idea of a, a creature like that, and it, it being not you know it's definitely not human, but it also it, it's an animal with human characteristics as far as a voice of some kind and direct sort of conscious thoughts that are being put out into the, the universe through speech. It's, it's, it's yeah. just terrifying. I think it was one of those things where it was also just really scary because you're like, well, this thing wants something that the person ate. So then your mind is kind of going, oh, my God, like there's no way to give that back. Well, there is. I mean, yes. But like as a kid, you're like your mind is racing. You're like, oh, my God, like there's no going back from that. Like you ate it. Like what what the hell is going to happen? And then eventually you're kind of like, well, the only it's in your stomach. So, yeah, it's very unsettling. Appalachian mythology or like myths and stories have a from what I've heard, because I listen to this podcast, so I don't know if I should talk about this on our podcast. Uh, yes, you can. I've, I've, I know what you're going to bring up, and I, I was going to mention that as well. So continue. Old Gods of Appalachia. Yeah. I don't know. It has such a specific like tone to it. And yeah, I, I think the isolation makes it so creepy and weird. And then weird alienness of the Taily Poe creature. And mixed in with this sort of naturalist perspective that, I mean, I, I love, you know, the woods and you know, just being out by yourself. And I, I I think that a lot of people that is scary to them. And it never was for me, but I understand that it can be at times. But I think that's part of the allure is that even though you are by yourself and things can go wrong, it's you being able to circumvent that that is sort of part of the, the whole experience. It's Kind of like a lot of stories with the colonies and like witches or uh, like these communities are good, but the forest harbors evil and bad and stay away from them, you know? Right. Yeah. There, I think there was one in that podcast that you're talking about. There was maybe one about a, a mine that had collapsed or there was a fire in the mine. That one really stood out to me. Um, but it's, it's yeah, it's that, that idea of that you, you either need to avoid being in out, you know, as deep in nature as, as some people choose to be, or you need to, your, your, your job inherently puts you in that situation. So you have to constantly kind of be on alert, you know, whereas obviously, I mean, granted there are jobs that carry more risk than others, but it's that added factor of being more removed and separate from society that, that kind of stokes those kind of primal fear, I guess. All of a sudden, you're not like top of the food chain necessarily. Uh, you know, I got all this brain, but <laughs> not a whole lot to do with it. So not a lot of claws or teeth. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's my pick. I hope that if you do interact with the cat, I, I mean, if you do end up listening to the audiobook and and, uh, and everything, I hope you you enjoy it. I'll check in. The one thing that I, I didn't mention uh, about the, the dogs' names, so uh, the one is I know is spelled I know, you know, like two, the two words smushed together, and you know, same thing, you know, smushed together. And there's a line in the in the story where the creature says to the old man, you know, and I know that I'm just here for my Taylor Poe, something like that. And so kind of like 
weaves this interesting thread about once after that point when the dogs are led out into the woods and, and lost, quote unquote, it, it just adds that sort of weird cunning aspect to this thing. And then just to throw in the ringer of <laughs> come to go calico. I, I, I'm not sure what that's all about. I, I really wanted to talk about this for, for a while. Um, I think mostly because of the conversation that Grace and I had uh, with a, a few other people um, about this story, because I thought that I was like one of the only people of, of my generation that knew about this, but apparently not. Uh, and I was really happy about that because, like I said, this is one of the first things that I remember being just downright terrifying where I, I, didn't, I didn't necessarily have nightmares, but it was more of a, a waking realization. Like every time I thought about it, I'm like, this is so messed up. And I, my child mind was, was just fixated on it. I would wake up in the middle of the night and I would just be like, don't look at the foot of my bed. Don't look at the foot of my bed. Don't look at the foot of my bed. Because I was like so scared yeah. of this one particular scene. <laughs> the, the great thing too is that the illustrations, they don't use a lot of shadow or, or darkness. I granted the creature is pretty dark, but it's in full light the majority of the time. It's not like they're trying to hide it, which I think makes it that much more interesting and terrifying because there's really no need to. It's not like it's a, a movie where they're trying to only give you little glimpses here and there. Personally, that never works for me. So to do away with that whole concept is pretty incredible and I think unique to itself because, I mean, I can't really think of anything else as far as a, a, a children's book that I read that was really comparable uh, in that respect. Now I know what I'm going to listen to on my way to work tomorrow. I picked Coraline, the 2009 American stop motion animated dark fantasy directed by Henry Selick, also known for Nightmare Before Christmas and James and the Giant Peach based off the Neil Gaiman novella of the same name. I know it's not technically a Halloween movie per se. It doesn't take place during Halloween or, you know, it's, I don't think it's even really fall, but it is creepy and it is dark. And it's honestly one of my most watched movies of all time. All the while still being like a kid's movie, uh, it's still like really dark and creepy, which I really appreciate about it. And some scenes like give me goosebumps, like still as when I watch it. Um, yeah, so I, I, I like the movie a lot. It's creepy. It's weird. The stop motion's like really on point just from like an artistic standpoint. You just get. Did you already say what year it came out? 2009, yeah. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. It's the last time I saw it. Really? Yeah, same. What? Yeah, sorry, Chris. I saw it in the theater and never saw it again. I've seen it many, many times. I didn't even finish you it. Didn't finish it? You did. That's that's surprising. I tapped out. You tapped out. You didn't like it, or it was. I don't know. I don't. I guess. Yeah, I didn't like it. But what? Like something can be good, and I can still not like it. Uh -huh. And something can be bad, and I can like it. So yeah, for sure. I know that it's objectively good, and my sister loves it, but I just wasn't into it. That's fair. I don't think you, you, you don't need like a reason to not like something. Some things just don't like vibe with you, I guess. It's not that I didn't like it. It just, I watched it when it was in the theater and that's the last time that I saw it. And every time I've seen it like pop up since. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I never actually watch. Yeah. I think my family got on DVD, watched it the one time and then that was it. Wow. That's so surprising. Oh, I'm, hey, it's good to be in the presence of a super fan. I wouldn't say I'm a super fan because I haven't like read the book 
then I could be a super fan. But I, I have thought about reading the book because I hear it's even creepier than the movie, which doesn't surprise me. Knowing him? No, that's no surprise. Exactly. So, just some basics of the plot. An attention-neglected child, Coraline, discovers a parallel world through a door in their house. At first, the new world is great and everything Coraline wanted. Ten of parents, fun and exciting neighbors, and a unannoying Wyatt is also not in the book. However, as things seemed too good to be true, after continued visits, the idealized world reveals a dark secret. So, I guess I don't really have too much else to say about it because it wasn't like a childhood movie per se. And if you wanted to see it, you probably have already seen it, but that's the basic in a nutshell plot of it. It is a more recent movie that I've really come to like while still feeling like it gets me in the Halloween spirit. The only thing I definitely remember about the movie is the button eyes. Yeah. That's like a big theme with it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's why I thought it was creepy. I don't know. I don't think buttons are creepy, but something about... Good. That'd be a hard life. Yeah. I'd, I'd be frightened, frightened everywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I first saw it after like the initial hype of it died down after it got like nominated for the awards because uh, it got nominated for like best animated picture and maybe some, something else, stop, best stop motion, something like that. Um, so, I saw it around that time because I think I was on Tumblr those days and they were posting a lot of gifts and screen grabs and things like that of it. I think I'd like to go back and watch it all the way through. I think it deserves it. I mean, if you don't like stop motion, obviously it's kind of a hard sell because that's the primary thing. I don't know if that was your issue with it per se. It's not for everybody. I'd give it another try. We rented it during the day. If I saw it in a theater or if I saw it in a, like a spookier setting. It's a good pick. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. You're right. Not necessarily Halloween. When did it come? What what month did it actually come out? February. February. That, what? That's the worst time to put a movie That's out. when you put out the duds. That's... Oh, that's, that's terrible. They didn't have faith in it. Well, thanks, Chris. I uh, will definitely revisit this because... Like I said, it's been so long since I've watched it. The only thing I really remember are buttons. Is it streaming anywhere? It, you can rent it on Amazon. You think we're made of money? Yeah, I know. I was I was going to... Well, that's what I'm going to say. I was going to rewatch it earlier today. Like, ha ha, I bet it's on Netflix and it wasn't or Hulu or HBO. Nothing. Got to rent for three old buckaroonies on Amazon. Okay. Sweet. Awesome. Let's talk about some candy then. Favorite Halloween candy. Chris, go. Can I be like really basic and just say Snickers? Because... Sure. That's fine. I... If I got like a king size bar of Snickers... Where are you trick-or-treating? Yeah, wow. What do you mean? I mean, it happened maybe like once, like one house gave them, but... My father was so obsessed with giving out Halloween candy. Like we would run out because we were that neighborhood that at one point he was giving out like cans of soft drinks Mm. and he gave away like all of my juice boxes. He ran out of everything in the house and he was giving away money. Oh man. Oh my gosh. Yes. No, no tricks for him. No full size bars, but full size cans. And money. Hey, well. I'd love to go to a house and get a can of Coke. That's energy for the next right. houses. Yeah, it's something. <laughs> right. Justify, like, your kid says, hey, can I have this now? And you're like, well, yeah, yeah, might as well, you know. Mm-hmm. Or that's the parents' reward. Right. Hey, give me that. 
Yeah, I have, I've seen that happen too. <laughs> yeah, so Snickers was usually the one I looked forward to the most. Um, the one I would like throw away basically were the uh, the coconut uh, <gasps> like almond ones, I think. Almond Joy? Yeah, Almond Joy. Yeah, those, those no. were a no-go. Oh, no, Chris. Chris. Have you tried so one good. recently? No, because I didn't like them as a kid. Why would I like them now? I'm voting Chris off the show. I would eat around the almonds, but now I don't. <laughs> well, that's why they invented mounds. Yeah. We got a close cousin of Night Knockers. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. Favorite Reese's. Nice. I'm assuming cups and not pieces. I like both. I'll take anything with peanut butter, really. But like just classic is what I was thinking of. But I like Reese's pieces as well. Those are good. Least favorite, like runts. I never really liked to mm. get like a package of those. What? Yeah, well, I can't even believe that. Can we vote Grace off the podcast? No, you're already gone. You don't have a vote. I don't. I like fruity candy. I like hard candy. And I like nerds. But runs just have like no flavor. The banana. Specifically the banana one though. The banana was the best one. How do you eat them? Are you supposed to bite them or are you supposed to suck them? Dealer's choice. I don't know if I ever actually got that as a trick-or-treat candy. So put it into that context, it's kind of weird for me. Hmm. I know the package very well. It's clear. It's clear plastic. Mm -hmm. Yep. I'll show you all the shapes. Yeah. Yes. They weren't terrible. Like, I wouldn't say, like, they disgusted me by any means. I just didn't think they were, they were just, you know, good fodder to trade something else that's better. It's wrong, but okay. I respect your opinion. Do what you gotta do. Do you want to go next, Kat? Oh, me? Uh, Count Chocula Bar. Count Chocula Bar is the ultimate. And every year I look for them and it feels like they only release them every other year. And that breaks my heart. If we make them from scratch, they're not as good. And they have more calories, but we don't have to get into that. I don't think I've ever had one. Me either. I thought they got discontinued. I don't know if that's true. Don't take my word on that. Is it a Lucky Charms? Is it... Mm. I know it's chocolate. Is it Cocoa Puffs? Is it chocolate uh, Rice Krispies? Mm. It's so hard to say. It's sort of like Lucky Charms, but if the Lucky Charms were chocolate instead of whatever trash they are. I've never had this bar. I haven't even had Count Chocolate cereal, which is what I'm trying to beat around the bush by saying. But I was just trying to get the texture. Because I've had Lucky Charms bars. Good. Had Rice Krispie bars. Good. I even had, I think, a Fruit Loops one I really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's a lot like that. And uh, the bottom is coated in this chocolate. That's even better. Yeah, that's, that's kind of like a step above... That was like the Fruit Loops one. It had like white chocolate. Yes. Yeah, you're right. Chris's face. What are you doing? My face about Chris. You got an opinion over there? White chocolate, just no. Oh. Well, that Fruit Loops, no. But with Fruit Loops, there's so much flavor in a unsoggy Fruit Loop. You don't like Fruit Loops either? No. Yeah, I'm not a big fan either. What? Fresh Crispy Loop? Fresh Crispy Loop. <laughs> That's the name so of the wait, episode. hang on. Yes. Yes. Fresh crispy loop. But when I was a kid, I would save gobstoppers and anything chocolate for so long that they would all blend into the same smell and taste. And I don't recommend you do that. My least favorite, Smarties. And strangely enough, it would be what I would eat first to get them out of the way. Your least favorite Smarties? Smarties, yeah. okay. Okay. Yeah, I think it's me. All right. So I'm going back and forth because I have a few candies. Cause the, the problem that I'm having is that there are 
ones that I know specifically I would get at Halloween that I really enjoyed, but then there's it's not that's not like my all time favorite candy. So I'm just gonna go with that because we're talking about Halloween. The favorite thing, and this is gonna be kind of paradoxical potentially, but my favorite are the the flavored Tootsie Roll, the like the vanilla, like the cherry. Mm-hmm. Those kick ass. Oh my God. The, yeah, my yes. least favorite is a regular Tootsie Roll or Tootsie Bar, whatever the heck you call it. Yes. I did not yes. ever like those. Yes. Yes. So. Tootsie Pop. Oh, Tootsie Pop, that's fine. Oh my God. Yes. I would also save those. I would also save those exact ones as well. The blue specifically. The blue is the grossest one. Chris, you're wrong. Oh my God. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you guys know this, but you can buy off of like whatever the main company, that, that website, you can buy like huge quantities of those candies. Why haven't we done that? I, I just, I feel like it would be a, a really, you know, deep rabbit hole and I would like gain 40 pounds and I, <laughs> I, would, I would blink and it would be on me. I'd be like, what is this? What's happening? I am so happy I'm off the podcast. I thought that was like a universal dislike. Man, they were so good. I'm looking at them right now. <laughs> yeah. I like the, the packaging. I know. So welcoming. I, I'm pretty sure they made me nauseous. Not gonna lie. Okay, well, Chris, when you go trick-or-treating this year, <laughs> you can just send them to us. Yeah, please. <laughs> yeah, okay. Get off my step, you weird, bald man. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they're going to say to you, or that's what you're going to say to me. <laughs> no, it's what... <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening to our Wart podcast. Don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Those reviews really mean a lot to us, and they help us gain more listeners. And for the first 55 star reviews, we'll send you a free Our Wart podcast pin. Just DM us on Instagram with a screenshot of your review, and we'll send a pin to you. Speaking of social media... Grace. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at our Warped Pod. You can follow me, Chris, at Chris Ambrose eighty on Instagram or at at Chris Ambrosiak on Twitter. I've been doing an October monster drawing challenge. Though, if you like monsters, come check that out. I post every other day. And don't talk to me. I'm Kat. I'm hauntingly tired on Instagram. All one word. And you can talk to me. And here's where I would insert a joke. Imagine that I did that. And please laugh. Bye. Bye.